good morning. Welcome to you here. Welcome to those upstairs in the loft at the Well Cafe. Uh, glad you're here at church this morning. It's a good weekend. Uh, my name is Johnny. I serve as one of your pastors here. And I'm just so excited for this new series that's starting. And it's something we've been working on for a long time, something we've been anticipating, and I know many of you have as well. And we're really excited to dive into it for the next few weeks. So if you would please uh, turn in your Bibles that you brought with you to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, we're going to take a look at verse 33 through 35. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, the first thing I'd like to do is encourage you to start doing that. Bring your Bible with you to church um, and so that you can begin to follow along with us and you can take notes uh, in your Bible and uh, study them later. It's also just a good habit to do to bring your Bible to church. Um, but if you didn't bring it today, no worries, no fear. Upstairs in the loft, we have some Bibles available back in a, on a shelf in the back uh, of the space. And also here in the well, we have them uh, underneath your chair that's in front of you. If you're going to use one of those blue Bibles, we have the page number, so it's easy to find. I think it's 1519 is where we're going to be. Uh, so you can find that there and follow along with us. But before we get started, uh, one of the things I wanted to do today uh, is introduce myself. Uh, now, I do that each time I get to preach here. You know, my name is Johnny, and I know many of you uh, that I've known long for a long time. I've been at this church for quite a while. I know many of you upstairs, uh, friends with many of you. Um, but I have uh, since been asked to be the preacher now for the Well and the Well Cafe, this Well community that we have, something I'm very excited to do. And one of the things I haven't got to share yet is kind of what fuels me as a pastor and some of the things that identify me as a preacher and the reasons I do uh, what I do. And so I thought it would be helpful that, you know, we'll get to know each other uh, over time as, as time goes on. But one of the things I want to do is just share with you a little bit about what makes me tick as a preacher. Uh, so if this is your first time here, good. We get to get, we get to know each other uh, really well right away. Uh, if we've known each other for a very long time, I'm sorry, you probably know these things about me and you'll, uh, you're going to have to hear them again. But one of the things I want you to know, first off, that fuels me as a pastor um, is, is my family. I'm married to a very beautiful, very talented, amazing woman. Her name's Holly, and she is one of our worship leaders here at First Methodist Mansfield. She helps lead worship at the Well Cafe up there. They're probably cheering for her right now. Uh, you better be anyways. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, she is incredible. I have totally outkicked my coverage. Like, she is she is the best, and um, she leads for Saturday and the Well Cafe. Um, she is one of, one of the many amazing worship leaders we have at this church. Uh, so blessed that she is a part of my life. Uh, so blessed that I get to be her husband. Uh, I have a son named Charlie who's five, who grows like a weed. Anybody who's had young children knows that. This is the age where they just, every day they wake up and they don't fit in the clothes that you just bought them a week ago. And, and that's him. And he's learning and he's growing. He's playing soccer. Uh, it's amazing to watch him grow, not only physically, but also to watch him grow spiritually and, and emotionally and mentally. Uh, I, I love my family. I am so blessed. And, and they challenge me and they help me to grow each and every day. Uh, I learn more about God and God's love for me and God's love for us through the love that I experience from them. And it is just uh, an amazing thing. So they're a huge part of who I am and, and what makes me tick and what makes me do what I do and the things that I learn about God and want to share. The other thing is this. Um, I'm a giant nerd. Um, so if you don't know that about me, you will find out soon enough. Uh, I'm a nerd. I like all things nerdy. You'll probably hear me quote or mention Star Wars a time or two. Um, I'm a nerd. I like documentaries about random stuff. I just like to learn. 
Uh, that's kind of who I am. I, I love to absorb information. I like to pretend I know a lot about a lot. Um, thank you for laughing at that. <laughs> uh, I, I just love to absorb knowledge, and that's true of the scriptures as well. Um, I am a student of the scriptures. I love to dive in and to read and to find connections. I love the literary context and the historical context. I love to dive in deep and figure out why this, this collection of ancient writings, what, what does this have to do with us today? Uh, I love that, and it, it's an adventure every time I go in there, and um, you'll see some of that um, as I share. Maybe I might share a little too much about that stuff. I don't know. I hope I don't bore you with that, but that's the stuff I, I, I really love. And the last thing is this. Uh, it's more of a confession. I'm both a believer and I'm a skeptic. Um, I am a believer. I've grown up in church. My first memories of church were going to Mass with my grandfather, uh, and even right away then something grabbed me about this faith thing, this religion thing, this thing that people connected with on a, at least a weekly basis. Uh, when they gathered together in worship, there was something about that. Even at a young age, I couldn't articulate it, but there was something about that that grabbed me. And I was raised in the United Methodist Church with my parents. Uh, my dad was raised Catholic, my mom Baptist, and so they just, I mean, this was the compromise. They came to the United Methodist Church. It was right in the middle, right? Uh, and I was raised in the Methodist Church, small church in a small town, and um, I just loved church. I, 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 got, I got church. I loved it. Um, but as I grew, and as I grew um, out of that simple wonder phase of a, of a child, and I began to uh, ask questions about faith. Things stopped making as, uh, as much sense as they used to, and um, I found along the way that I had trouble finding people who liked those questions, uh, who liked to help me answer those questions. Many people were not excited about questions about faith, uh, and I had a lot of them. I thought I knew everything back then. I was a teenager. Of course I knew everything uh, but I had tons of questions because things were, instead of just being black and white, there was some gray I was finding. And I was wondering how this all made sense in our life today as I looked around. And, and something that happened within me was that because of those questions, because of those doubts I was having, uh, I thought that meant that I didn't have any faith. I thought that meant that I didn't have enough faith or a strong enough faith uh, I thought that's what that meant, and so for a long time, I kind of rejected the church. I kind of walked away from it. I was kind of in and around it still in my life because I had been so invested in it, um, but I, I was distancing myself, and I was doing it in a hurry. It wasn't until I came across a, a few people um, and a couple pastors that really embraced those questions, that really encouraged me in, in my searching and in my asking and in my doubting. Uh, they encouraged me along the way. They, they loved the questions, and they would, they, would, they would ask them with me, and they would challenge me in some aspects. Um, but what I really loved is they created this space for me to explore my faith. And what they, what they taught me was just because I had questions and just because I had doubts didn't mean I lacked faith. It just meant I was curious. It just meant I was searching for God. And I was finding out what this faith thing meant for my life. And they created this space for me. And ever since that time, as I've explored, I've began to rebuild. I've found some answers. Still, I still have some questions. But along the way, my faith has strengthened tremendously. And it's stronger than it's ever have, it ever has been before. I tell you that because you'll hear me whenever I preach. I will often ask questions. I still ask questions today. If I come across something in Scripture that doesn't make sense, something that challenges me, something that actually makes me feel a little weird, like 
I ask questions. I go to God with those questions. I know that God is big enough for my questions. God actually embraces that searching. I think God feels honored by our searching, that we want to know more about him and that we, that we want to embrace him even more. We want our faith to grow and to strengthen. I think God honors that. And so uh, I know this, this, is a, this is part of our church's culture, but what I want you to know about me is that I feel so strongly about that, that I know many of you here in this room and many of you upstairs come to church with questions. Heck, there's probably people here today that aren't even sure about this whole God, Jesus, Christian faith thing. And, and you got brought here by a spouse or by a parent or by a friend, and you're not sure you actually belong here because you have these questions, and you might doubt whether or not you even have faith at all. I'm telling you that you're not in the wrong place. You're not in a place where you don't belong. You're actually in the perfect place. Because what we hope to do is create an environment here where people on all ends of the, and all across the faith spectrum, whether you were raised in the church and you feel like your faith is rock solid or you're brand new to this Christian thing and you have a lot of questions and you're not sure you believe all this stuff, I want there to be space for everybody here so we can all search together, including myself. You're a part of my growth as well. So I... I this is kind of what fuels me as a pastor is, is not only these things that have shaped me and transformed me along the way that I cannot help but share, but also as a way for us to grow together in our faith as a faith community. That's what really fuels me. And I am so blessed and honored that I get to do this now on a weekly basis with two amazing worship communities. So I thank you for that. Um, with that, I'm going to stop talking about me enough about me. We need to talk about Jesus. We need to talk about decluttering, right? Let's get on with that. So this series, you saw this video, right? Everybody saw the video, and, and, and everybody looked at that, and I could hear some giggles. I could hear some gasps. I could hear uh, some people's hearts starting to beat faster. I, I could feel that you could feel what was going on up there. I could feel everybody connecting in some way, whether it was with the physical clutter that you could see or whether it was with the clutter that you could see as far as uh, the scheduling and what needed to take place in the, in the chaos of that life that was being portrayed up there, whether it was the dog walking across your desk, I don't know. But in some way you connected with that. And here's the truth of this series. Usually I would spend a ton of time trying to set this up for you, but I don't think that that's necessary. Because I think we see that video and I think we all immediately get it. I think we all know it. To some degree or another, we all can identify with that thing. And this is a series for everybody. That's what that means. For, for the neat freaks here, got any neat freaks in the house? I, that's me. Definitely a neat freak. Uh, anybody who is a neat freak, you can identify this. Anybody else who might be a little more creative with the way they store things? Uh, you get this too, Right? Uh, Christians and non-Christians alike can identify with this. There's a, there's a, there is a starting point for everybody in this room in this idea of clutter. We all get it. We all know what clutter is, right? It's a mess, right? And no matter where it exists, it's a mess of stuff. It's a conglomerate of things that creates a mess. And it, it, it's an inefficient use of space. And it crowds out any room that might have been made for other things, Right? And that conglomerate of stuff is made up of two different categories. Stuff that doesn't belong and hasn't been dealt with. Or stuff that does belong but hasn't been dealt with. Right? You, you know this. You've, you've seen that everybody has, what, a junk drawer in their kitchen, right? 
stuff you don't know what to do with, some stuff that you're like, why is this even in my house? I don't know, put it in the drawer. Like, you know, like that's where it goes. Like it's just, it's stuff and it doesn't belong. But you don't know what else to do with it. and You don't really feel like dealing with it. And so you just kind of shove it away. But now it's taking up space. It's taking up valuable space for other things. Or maybe it's stuff that does belong, but you're not sure what to do with it. And you're not sure how to deal with it. And so it just hangs around. And it takes up space. And it creates clutter in your home and in your life. We all get this. And I'm guessing everybody, to some extent, we said, connects with this in some way. If you don't, if your life is perfect, peaceful, you never heard a clutter in your life, let me know. I'll have you preach the rest of this thing. It, I'm happy for you to do that. I'll sit in the front row with notes, taking notes, you know. But we all identify with this. And here's the thing, too, is that whether you consider yourself a, a tidy and neat and, uh, and uh, organized person or you are the more creative person with your storage, we are all, we are all affected by clutter. And we're all susceptible to it as well. Nobody is immune from clutter. I'm a kind of a neat guy. I'm also organized. Uh, but, oh man, nobody laughed at that one. That was kind of a pun. Uh, I'm a neat guy. I'm an orderly guy. Um, I like things in their place. I like to have a place for everything, and I like those things to be in their place. Because when I want to find that thing, I want to be able to find it. Am I right? Like, that's, that's what we want. I'm the guy that will kind of unconsciously, as I'm eating a, a bag of Skittles, like, put them in color order. That's just, it's not an obsessive thing. I don't care if they're in order or not. Most of the time, I just take handfuls of them and shove them in my mouth. But if they're out... I just kind of do that. I just kind of put them in order. Like I just, I, something beautiful about order. But even me, and my poor wife knows this upstairs, like even me, like I have this thing that wherever I take my shoes off, like that's where they belong. <laughs> so if I'm in the living room and I kick my shoes off, that's where they will remain under the coffee table right there, right? If I'm sitting at the dining room table and I feel like for whatever reason while I'm eating, I need my shoes off. Like if I kick my shoes off there, that's where they go, right? I have shoes in the bathroom. I have shoes in the hallway, shoes in, next to the bed, shoes in the closet. There's shoes everywhere, right? I don't even own that many shoes, but just when I take them off, that's where they go. Who knows why I do that? I don't know. Why is this thing slipped through the cracks? I like everything else in order, but this thing, this thing, maybe it's because I need to make an escape at some point. I don't know. Like, <laughs> And if at any point I need to escape, I have shoes in any room of the house. I'm ready to go, right? Anytime you're having to escape from something, it's usually a surprise. And so, like, you just need to be ready. And so, there are my shoes. It's getting summertime now, right? The ice cream truck's going to be coming down the street. And I'm going to need to get out there and get some ice cream. And so, I got my shoes ready for me right there, wherever I go. Who knows why I do that? But there's clutter. It's something that happens in my life. We're all susceptible to it. And And my guess is right now, everybody in this room can think of that place in your life that's a little cluttered. You can think of the garage or the shed. Uh, you can think of your desk, maybe at work or at home. There's a cabinet or a drawer. The thing that, like, if you weren't going to go home and take a nap right now that you would actually clean out, but instead, like, you've had this nap scheduled for weeks and you're really ready for it. <laughs> or that thing, uh, I know, ladies, you call it a purse, but I like to call it a black hole. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a wormhole, right? Like you put things in it and they never come back out again. But then when you reach in, you pull out something, you're like, what is this? Like, where did this come from? I don't need, this isn't even mine. Like, how did this end up in this bag? It's like a magic trick. We all have that stuff. Some of you are like, what isn't cluttered in my life? But we all know it. 
But it's one thing for our car or our closet or our cabinet to be cluttered. It's a whole other thing for our life to be cluttered. That's really what we're getting at. It's one thing for our car, closet, our cabinet to be a little cluttered, disorganized. But it's another for our life to feel that way. It's one thing if you look at your calendar and you're like, man, I'm just so busy. There's so much stuff on my calendar. I don't have room for anything else. It's one thing for your calendar to be cluttered, but it's another thing for you to be rushed, for you to be hurried all the time, which, spoiler alert, as we'll talk about next week, doesn't always have uh, a, a direct correlation with your calendar. It's another thing to be hurried and to feel like you don't have time for what is happening right in front of you. The people that you're with right now, you can't actually be with them because you're thinking about the next thing and you're on to the next thing already and you're worried that you're going to make it to that next thing and you're thinking about that presentation you have to give or this discussion that you're going to have to have with somebody and you can't be right there with the people that are right in front of you and sometimes that's your family and you can't give them you because you is already somebody somewhere else. This is what clutter in our life looks like. Maybe it's this noise that you have in your life. You, you have trouble hearing God's voice and making space for God to speak because there are so many other voices that are speaking to you that you go to that direct and influence your life and you have no room for God to influence you and to speak to you. You can't hear him because there's too much noise in your life. Maybe you feel shackled here in the present by your past. Maybe there's a past relationship that you have or something that has gone wrong in your past with a relationship that actually clutters up your ability to have a, a healthy and growing relationship with those that are right here with you in the present. Could be family, could be your spouse, could be your kids, could be coworkers. That baggage comes with you and it's cluttering up your present. Or maybe it's a, an event that happened in your past, whether you had control of it or not, that, that you bring forward this guilt and this shame into the present that is cluttering up your life, your ability to find peace and wholeness that God promises, and you can't, you can't quite accept it because you're not sure how to have that relationship or even a relationship with yourself because of it. Your life is cluttered up. It could be your actual physical stuff. It could be that though you don't like to admit it and though you might say no up front, deep down you feel that your life, the way you project your life, there is value with your stuff, that you see your neighbors and the things that they have and you feel like you got to keep up and if I'm going to live at their level or above their level, I have to have these things too. My life, my things have to reflect me, right? They have to reflect how good I'm doing and how well I'm doing so people can see all of that. And you're kind of bound by that. You're shackled by that. Could be financial stress or, or debt, this burden that leaves no margin or no room for you. It's cluttered up your life and you feel restricted and you can't be generous the way you want to be generous. You can't bless your family or your friends the way you want to bless them because you're hemmed in by that. The frustrating thing about all is, is, is that we know this problem. And many of you right now can identify that. You can see the problem and you can know right now that there are millions of resources available for you. You could go online and just Google time management or get me out of debt. And you could find all kinds of things that promise the solution, strategies that you can do to help you find that thing that you want so desperately. But the thing is, is year after year, decade after decade, more and more of these resources are being produced. Why? Because we're not getting any better at it. 
despite knowing what the problem is and being able to see it, and despite having access to infinite amount of resources to help us, we still don't quite get better. And it could be that maybe this problem that we see is not really the problem at all. That this problem we have identified is actually a symptom. The clutter that we feel and that we experience in our life is really a symptom of something else. Something that's much deeper. And here's what I want to suggest to you. And this is kind of the foundation for us in this series as we move forward. Something that we're going to kind of agree upon here so that we can move forward. The suggestion is this, is that our clutter problem is actually a soul problem. Our clutter problem is actually a soul problem. The thing that we experience on the outside is actually a product of the inside. And sure, there are external factors. There are things that are beyond our control. There are things out here uh, that we want to fix that are important to pay attention to. But if we don't pay attention to the inside, we will return to that same clutter over and over again. Even after a season of what might feel like peace, we'll find ourselves back in those same places again and again. Now really, I could end right here. This could be it. Sermon over. That's the point, right? That's really, that's our insight for today that we really need to cogitate on, that we need to marinate on a little bit before we can go forward and start addressing some of the more specific things that we want to talk about. I really could just end there and we could get out early and we could beat every other church to the restaurants on time. And as much as I would really love to do that for you, uh, I want to talk about Jesus for just a minute. And so uh, we're going to look at the scripture. I already asked you to turn there. We might as well look at it and read it. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 35. Turns out this rabbi who taught 2,000 years ago before all this stuff that clutters up our life now had a few things to say about this. And so we're going to take a look at that uh, right now. Verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Jesus isn't talking about you. He's talking about the Pharisees at this point. Uh, How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And I want you to focus on that very first part again. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. If you read through the Gospel of Matthew, you'll find Jesus is quite obsessed with fruit. He talks about fruit a lot, right? Like it comes up over and over and over again. And in chapter 3, it actually begins with John the Baptist, where Pharisees come out, John the Baptist, Baptist is baptizing people, how he got his name. They come out, they're a bit skeptical, but they want to participate too. And, and John says to them, you need to bear fruit worthy of repentance before you can come and participate in this. Right away, John sees that there's, there's the disconnect in these people that were coming between what was going on in the inner life and what was going on in the outer life. And he wanted there to be fruit. Jesus uses this metaphor Almost exactly the same as we've read it here in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, verse 17. You'll see Jesus mention it there. Uh, Chapter 13, when Jesus does the parable of the sower, plant a seed in good soil, it'll grow and produce uh, a lot of fruit. Uh, And then finally in chapter 21, Jesus mentions it again. There's a fig tree out as they're walking by with the disciples. Jesus is hungry. The fig tree has no figs. He gets mad, curses it. It dies, right? And we'll get to that one in just a minute. He talks about fruit a lot. He talks about producing. He talks about the inner life and the outer life and the disconnect that happens 
uh, with some of the people that he meets along his journey. This comes up a lot. But there's two things I want us to, to know from this metaphor specifically for this series and for us today. The first thing is this, that the produce of our lives is important. Now, I could have said product, but that wouldn't have been a pun, right? I really love puns. That's another thing you need to know about me. Love puns. But the produce of our lives is important. We talked a little bit about this last week, that our faith, our spirit life, isn't just a a mental exercise. It's not something we do just to make us feel good, but actually should produce something. It should pour out of us in some way. The inside is very important, but it also has to translate, has to manifest itself into the physical world because God cares about that too. And you'll see it in the story of the fig tree. If you don't, don't turn there now, just write it down. Uh, chapter 21 of Matthew. Jesus is walking out, and he's hungry, right? He and his disciples, and there's this fig tree that they come across. And Jesus is like, I'm hungry. There's a fig tree. I'm going to get some figs, and that's going to be good. And the reason he assumes that is because when he sees the tree, it is big, and it's full, and it's got leaves. There's the signs of life. It's in season, and yet there's no figs. And Jesus curses this tree. Because it's a fig tree. It's supposed to produce figs, but it's not doing its job. It's not producing anything. It's showing all the signs of life. There's leaves all over it. It's green, yet it's not actually producing fruit. The produce of our life is very important. The second thing we need to know is this, is that the fruit of your life, that produce, right, the fruit of your life is a result of what you cannot see. The produce is a result of what you cannot see. See, we all know how plants and trees work, right? In the tree, there's a trunk that goes to branches, but then has leaves and fruit on it, right? And when that tree is planted in good soil, there's, there's the nutrients that come up from the soil into the trunk that go out through the branches and produce good fruit, right? If, if your soil is, uh, is lacking nutrients, the fruit might not be big. It might not be healthy. It might not be as juicy. If there's some contaminants in the soil, That might show up in the fruit. You get bad fruit out of it because there's bad. But all of that happens within the tree, right? So you could have the ideal environment. You could have the perfect weather. You could have the perfect conditions. But if the soil is bad, if what's going on in the inside is bad, the outward product will be a little bit off. And what Jesus is saying here is that your life is kind of like that. In fact, your life is like that. You are a tree, And that if you pay attention to all the things on the outside, all the things on the environment, which is important, right? The environment surrounding you is important, and there's an influence that we have on that. But if we do all that and neglect what's going on in the inside, all of this hard work that we do on the outside is for naught. Because that inside is where the real transformation and the real change is happening. The reason this is important for us today uh, is this. Now, if you were a part of a, one of our small groups during the Deeper Life with God series uh, back in the fall, this will sound a little bit familiar to you. But what Jesus is saying here with this metaphor is that life is lived from the inside out. Life is lived from the inside out. Now, I, I would imagine that everybody here with us today in church would agree to that. You're like, okay, that makes total sense. I'm going to write that down, and I agree to that. That sounds good. I would do that too. But when I leave, I often find myself living the opposite of that. I find myself in this tendency of living the opposite of that truth, even though I know this to be true. I find myself living as if I could just change the things around me. 
If I could just fix the stuff around me that's going bad, then my insides would feel better. If I could just fix all the stuff going on on the outside, all the things that are troubling me, all the things that are cluttering up my life, then my soul would start to feel better again. What I'm suggesting here is that those two things are definitely related, but changing the outside does not automatically change the inside. What Jesus is telling us here is that life is lived from the inside out, and that try as hard as we might on the outside. If we're not paying attention to the inside, we'll find ourselves repeating the same thing over and over and over again. If we really want healing and transformation and wholeness, it must include working on our soul. It must include paying attention to our inner life, not just our outer life. So when we look at our cluttered lives, we look at the, the product of our life, and, and we are all on varying degrees of that scale. Many people in this room are like, yeah, there's a little things here and there, and some of you are like, my life is a complete wreck. It's chaos right now. All of those areas you mentioned, yes, check them off. Me, 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 me. Whatever, wherever we find ourselves on the scale, what we'll find is, is often when we return to those places of chaos or those places of clutter or when they continue to happen in our life, they go unaddressed the things that belong or the things that don't belong, if they aren't dealt with, if we don't work on the soul, if we don't continue uh, to, to work on that soil, right, we'll find ourselves returning again and again. We'll find this disharmony and this disorder uh, that we find in our souls. The hurriedness that we often feel is not just a product of our calendar, it in and of itself is not the source of our issue. There's actually something deeper going on there. The same thing with the noise that we find in our life that drowns out God's voice or the discomfort we feel in our relationships with others or maybe the guilt and shame that we bring from our past. Again, some of this stuff was out of your control when it happened and it's part of your life now, but if it isn't dealt with it can become clutter and so we wanted to take a look at that as well and this includes our physical clutter our financial clutter all of this is included these aren't the source there's something deeper going on the source lives elsewhere but if we truly want to find peace and fullness if we truly want to declutter our lives according to Jesus it's going to require a deep and honest look within. So over the next four weeks, uh, after this week, the following four weeks, we're going to look at this in some very specific areas, some of the areas in which we named today. But what we want to do is, is really get an idea of, of what we're talking about when we declutter, and that it's going to involve not just our physical uh, world, our environment, our outer life as we see it. It's definitely going to include some of that stuff, but it's not just that. This series is not just me going to help you reorganize your sock drawer. That's not, that's not how we're going to work. I'm sorry if that's all you were wanting. Um, you could probably Google it, and somebody's probably better than me has figured it out. But what we're really going to be doing is understanding the connection between our outer life and the discomfort and the, and the uh, disharmony and the clutter that we feel in the outer life and really look at our inner life as well and some of the ways that we can begin to trust God with our soul and begin to make that soil rich again so the product of our life, the produce of our life is good fruit again. 
That's what we want to take a look at. So as we end today, uh, everybody got a bulletin uh, on the way in. If you don't already have that with you and something to write with, uh, I want you to do that now. Uh, And if you haven't already, I'm going to put two phrases up here that I want you to write down if you haven't already done that. Um, The first one is that life is lived from the inside out. And the second is that our clutter problem is a soul problem. And what I want you to do is take a couple minutes now to begin to think about an area or areas of your life which you identify with this idea of clutter that is in, in need of some decluttering. My guess is that many of you don't need much time at all. You're already writing that down. You already know exactly uh, what that is. And some of you may not. It might take a little more soul searching, a little more praying to really understand. It might, it might require some conversations with some people, some honest conversations uh, with your spouse or with your kids uh, or with your parents about what that area might be. But to begin to write that down, and, and, and I don't want you to be afraid. I'm not going to ask you to do anything with this. You're not going to have to pass it to your neighbor or bring it to me and read it to me or something. Like this is only for you, for your eyes only. Uh, whoever you want to share it with is fine. Um, but there's something important about thinking it and feeling it and then actually getting it out and seeing it written down, putting it into words that you can see. And what I want this to be is, is a target for you. As we go over these next few weeks, I want this to be a target for you in your prayer life. When you wake up and you do your first 15 and, uh, and you spend time in prayer with God, I want this to be one of those targets that you're praying for. I want these words that you have just written, this thing that you have identified, or these things that you have identified, to be the thing that you're praying about. That's your focus over these next few weeks as we seek the wisdom of scriptures, and we seek God's voice and God's presence and God's leading as we seek that fuller life and that peace that God promises when we look at our cluttered lives and we begin to declutter it by looking at our insides first. Here's the good news. Is even though this is hard, that there is hope. I've seen it. There's real transformation. Real change is possible. Real peace is there. I've seen people do it. I've seen people work hard at it. I've seen people identify the issue and work at it and find that peace again. I know it's real, and I know we can all do that. And we're going to explore all this together, and not alone. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, God of peace and comfort, God of fullness and life, we come to you this day, seeking your presence again, seeking your fresh breath, God, like a mighty wind blowing through our souls, God. Casting light on those dark areas, the places that we may have hidden, God. Painful places or convicting places, God. But in in the most graceful way possible, in a way that only you do, God, bringing those to light, God, showing them to us again, and then working with us, God, as we seek your way, as we seek your presence, as we seek your truth and your peace. God, guide us through this act of decluttering. Guide us as, as, as we walk through not only exploring our inner life, but also our outer life, God. Give us strength and give us courage as we seek to persevere, God, because we long for you, God, but we know the road's not easy. 
We thank you for your faithfulness to be with us in this process. In your name we pray. Amen.